Democracy is a funny thing. It's not one thing that sits on a spectrum which goes up and down. It's something that is circular. Goes up, down, left, right, northeast, northwest, southwest, southeast. It doesn't have a linear shape to it. So when Parliament gives us a referendum in 2016 or two general elections, we as a people go, you know what? I want us to be in the political wilderness. I'm not sure what we want or I'm really sure what we want. And that is to leave the European Union. Over the past week, we've had three party conferences of the main political parties, Lib Dems, Labour and the Conservatives. There's been one topic which, ironically, is something that can't happen, something that is very, very likely not to happen, but it's something we can't stop talking about. So, that was Sir Vince Cable, leader of the Liberal Democrats. Now, that clip didn't come from party conference, because what he said at his conference was somewhat not what he was going for. And we'll be hearing from him later on in the podcast. If there was a second referendum, would well, it's you an back... If. It's an if. We would don't you back remain or leave? We don't know what the question's going to be. Is the question going to be on the deal? Is the question going to remain? What's the question going to be? What are the alternatives going to be? I think the priority is a trade relationship with Europe. Now, that wasn't Jeremy Corbyn at party conference. That clip was an interview he gave a few weeks ago. I watched Jeremy Corbyn's speech come out from Liverpool and he didn't mention specifically a second referendum or a people's vote. So I had to dig in the archives and find out when he actually said it. And that was as close as we got. Now, the Conservatives did something differently. Their latest plan is to hold a second referendum. They call it a people's vote. You can just picture them sitting in an expensive advertising agency discussing how to claim that black is white. Our research shows that the public doesn't like the idea of a second referendum. That's all right. We'll rebrand it a people's vote. They might buy that. A defiant Theresa May. And a slightly less defiant, but still quite comical, Secretary of State for exiting the European Union, Dominic Raab. It's safe to say that Labour... And the Liberal Democrats are a bit shady about this idea of another referendum. They're not quite sure. They, they don't know whether it will work. They don't know whether they can accept it. Their position is a term which is used a lot at the moment. Just makes me hungry. Fudge. Conservatives are not fudge. They know what they want. And they know how to get it. 
So I have Josh with me and he works for an MP and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hi Josh. Hi Hugo, yes, so I'm Josh Goffrey and I work for uh, a Conservative Member of Parliament. Um, my job is sort of to uh, handle the, the press and do uh, and doing a bit of um, policy work before. Um, and before I jumped into politics, I used to be a, a local journalist. Amazing, and I, I know you've run a couple of my... Uh, stories before so thank you for coming back on in your new job it's yeah no worries at all uh, I can talk about politics all day so uh, <laughs> yeah you won't get me to stop <laughs> do, you, do you know what though when you when you uh, move jobs I actually didn't realize that you were a supporter of the conservatives um, that shocked me a little in a very well, pleasant way yeah um, well, you... it's, it, well it's good because um, I've been asked that question quite a lot, uh, obviously, um, going from a local newspaper where you have to be, um, you can't have any bias at all. And I, people would ask me that question and I would just say, I just had the ability um, when I walked through the office door just to switch off, um, you know, my political views, which I have quite passionate views, obviously, because that's why I've gone into politics. Um, but when you're working on a newspaper, you're your readers um most of them don't identify with a party um some people vote conservative some people vote lib dem green uh, ukip uh, so you have to make sure that people don't um start thinking oh well he's a tory or he's clearly a, a socialist so i'm glad you said that because i think it shows that we're doing our our job properly um as journalists if you if it shocked you that um, i'm a tory yeah, have you always been conservative? Uh, I have. I did flirt with the Lib Dems for a, a few years um, when I was at uni, like most Tories do. Um, yeah, so I, I voted. I voted Lib Dem before, and I've been quite open about that. Um, but I've never voted for any other party. I mean, Labour has never uh, really appealed to me. So. Um, and when I say I'm a conservative, I would say I'm a, a right of centre conservative. I'm not driven by, you know, ideology. Um, for me, the Conservative Party is just the the party that sort of represents me, really. Same, same. And you've kind of come back. You've you've kept your journalism streak by uh, by writing for um, an organisation called Backbench, I believe. Yeah, so it's quite, um, I think it's the, the website itself was sort of started off by um, a kid in his room and it sort of developed quite a lot and it's got quite a big reach and in there they do quite good interviews with uh, with Pat Bench MPs. Um, so yeah, I wrote this article, for, um, which is why you asked me to come on today, um, talking about Brexit, obviously, because that's what everyone seems to talk about, <laughs> um, and people's vote and um, you know how my position has shifted from someone who really was passionate about uh, voting remain and you know two years ago there was just no way at all that I could have contemplated voting uh, to leave the EU um, and I'm now in a position in that article um, where you know I sort of out myself as a, uh, a new lever um, purely because um, you know, I said in the article that what I found 
really hard to stomach um, the past two years is just the the complete arrogance of the EU towards um, Britain. Um, and, you know, during the negotiations, you know, we have compromised a lot. And some people will say that the Prime Minister has compromised too much in order to get a deal. Um, and, you know, the EU just can't seem to contemplate what it means to compromise. And they consistently fail to um, understand why 17.4 million people um, voted to leave. So it was actually really uh, cathartic writing that article because um, it's something I've been thinking for a while, but you never know to air it because, you know, people are going to say, hang on, two years ago you were really passionate about Remain and you criticised anyone that voted to leave and now you're saying that leaving is going to be good and we should be optimistic. Um, but it was, yeah, it was quite cathartic writing it because um, I was able to put into words sort of how I've been feeling for a good few months now. Um, and, and yeah, so that's, the re- that's my main reason behind writing the article, really. Yeah, and I've got I've got an excerpt from it, and um, it's 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 this this is a bit when I read it. This is a bit that I really um, kind of jumped on. So yeah, yeah. you know, seventeen point four million voted to leave. Um, the the bit I that really jumped out on on me was when you said, "quote Why on earth would anyone who voted Brexit ever bother voting again if that were to happen?" The answer is that we simply can't let it happen. Overturning Brexit would disenfranchise millions of people and bring trust in politics to an all-time low. And end quote. And that is so true. That they the thing about this argument for a second referendum and. I mean, the fact that they're not calling it a second referendum raises, to me, serious questions um, in its in the first place. But they're, they're all about sovereignty and they're all about, you know, kind of democracy and stuff. But what they... What you've really touched upon there, and I, you've put it so beautifully, is um, actually the irony of holding a second referendum. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, that line for me um, was the the most important point that I was trying to get across. Um, I'm a working class kid myself. It may not sound like it because, um, you know, my dad's a cabinet maker. My mum works in admin. We're not a well-off family. We never struggled, but, you know, we're not particularly well-off. Um, and I've got family members that voted uh, remain really passionately. I mean, I haven't told my granddad yet that um, I voted to, uh, I would now vote to leave because he's a massive liberal and uh, he would love for us to stay in the EU, so I haven't actually broken it to him yet. Um, but, you know, I come from a working class background uh, in Worcestershire. Uh, I've got family members that voted remain and I've got friends and family that voted um, to leave. And I genuinely believe this. And from my job as well, you know, I've knocked on hundreds of doors in Redditch. Um, obviously, in my job, I see hundreds of emails every day. We've just done a huge survey across Redditch, um, sort of trying to get a sense of the public feeling on a range of issues, but also Brexit. Um, and for me, I, I really believe that, you know, lots of working class people voted to leave for very good reasons. Um, because perhaps they have disproportionately seen the, uh, the, the bad side, shall we say, of uh, immigration and on the impact on low wages. So 
they went to they would leave um, and and some of these people they don't ever pe- bother paying an interest in politics some of them haven't voted for decades some of them have never voted um, but they felt so passionately during that referendum that they they came out to vote in very large numbers and we can't forget that it was the highest turnout that our country's seen and I, I believe that you know their side of the argument won um, whether we like it or not and that have won considering all that we had going in our favour um, and the people calling for a, a people's vote and, I, and you've, I've seen some of your tweets and you've hit the nail on the head um, it's quite ironic that you know uh, leavers they won their side of the argument won it was not a huge majority but it was still a majority and then people who have never accepted that uh, leave won the referendum two years ago are calling for this people's vote which is you know, basically a second referendum as you said um, and they're, they're genuinely trying to tell these working class people that you know, look you've, you know, we know you won um, we lost however we don't like that you won so we're going to have another vote and we're going to try and overturn the decision that you made that's basically what the people's vote campaign want to do these are people that have never accepted that they lost two years ago they don't want us to leave the eu and they will try absolutely everything they can to prevent us from leaving next march and it is a fact that we are going to leave next march but that's what the people's vote is about and it's incredibly disingenuous if you know i have absolute respect for anna subri and people like nikki morgan and on the other side you've got chuck ramuna they are they're great MPs, um, sensible-minded MPs. However, it's really disingenuous for them to go around campaigning for a second referendum because they've never accepted that we're leaving, even though they forced on manifestos last year, which said we're going to leave the EU. Uh, and so that's why I genuinely believe that if you voted for Brexit and we had a second referendum and Brexit was overturned, why on earth would you ever want to vote again when you voted a, a certain way and then the it got stitched up and it got overturned? So um, that, that point that I wrote in that article was what I was really trying to get across because um, I see it in my friends and family. I just don't see why they would bother voting again when you know they voted for Brexit and it's been overturned. Um, yeah, and one one thing that uh, is re- it, the common thing between Chukwuemuna and Anna Subri, yeah, uh, Ken Clark, and and the rest of them is they are the people from the Remain campaign, and mm-hmm. what they have done is come out of their well, they've ripped the wrapper off their tin, and they put a new wrapper on and called it the People's Vote UK. And David Lammy is on it. Heidi mm-hmm. Allen wants it. Um, Annalisa Dodds from Labour Party wants it. And the irony is that, and I don't know if you've seen this on my Twitter, and if anyone listening to this podcast goes on my Twitter in the last month especially, but at the moment, is none of them are brave enough to walk the walk. So they, they, they talk about, yes, we need a second referendum or we need a people's vote. Mm-hmm. Where is the legislation? Like, a 10-minute rule bill, an opposition day debate, 
or a private member's bill are the three ways that um, an MP or a Lord, indeed, Andrew Adonis is one of the biggest shouters from the Lords for a people's vote. Um, none of them have actually walked the walk. Any member of the House of Houses of Parliament, okay, bar uh, front benches, but any member of the Houses of Parliament can introduce a private member's bill. It's not exclusive to... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not going to happen because, obviously, it's not government and Conservative policy to have another referendum, and, and rightly so. And, uh, and, you know, Cabinet member after Cabinet member at conference in Birmingham uh, this week have reiterated that point that there's not going to be a second referendum. Um, you know, with the Labour Party, uh, they're... You know, leaving it all on the table um, because you know, they're being deliberately ambiguous with with voters. Because at the end of the day, uh, Jeremy Corbyn's not concerned about Brexit. He just wants to to bring down the government at any cost. Um, so if that means he has to appeal to Remainers and Leavers by offering a second referendum, that's what he's going to do. Um, but and you said about quite rightly about Anna Subri and David Lammy. They both stood on manifestos uh, in last year's election um, where it clearly stated in both parties' manifestos that we are leaving the European Union uh, next March and that we are leaving the single market and the and the customs union. And they all seem to forget that they, they stood on that manifesto last year. And if they didn't agree with the manifesto, then surely they should have stood as independents last year um, because by standing on that manifesto their electorate um, endorsed what the manifesto said you know you know when you're voting in a general election you vote for the MP yes you you vote for the party but you also vote for the manifesto and the Labour and the Conservative manifesto clearly said that we are leaving the EU next March and that we are leaving both the single market and the the customs union, um, and you know they seem to have very short term memory. And they seem to forget only every year ago that they stood on that platform. And and there's so that was included in both manifestos. There's it something it was, and I think over eighty percent of people who turned out to vote last year voted for either the Conservatives or the Labour Party. So yeah, I mean. So clearly stated those positions. So that was included in the manifesto, but there's something really important that wasn't included in the manifesto in both Conservative or the Labour, and that is holding a second referendum. There is not any manifesto commitment from the two main parties in the United Kingdom to hold a second referendum or a people's vote or whatever, yeah. however you want to package yeah, I mean, it up. I can't remember entirely, but I think from what I've read that both parties in the manifesto did rule out a second referendum and of course the Conservatives haven't backtracked on that pledge we are committed to not holding a, a second referendum we are just going to get on with delivering Brexit um, that's what people voted for that's what they expect the government to do as we saw from uh, Labour's conference in Liverpool only last week uh, they are putting all options on the table and you know you saw John McDonnell um, contradicting Keir Starmer he was then contradicted by uh, Jeremy Corbyn because you've got 
John McDonnell saying um, there's not going to be a second referendum and then he's saying all options are on the table and then he says remain wouldn't be an option and you've then got Len McCluskey saying that if there was another referendum it should be deal or no deal and then you've got Keir Starmer their official Brexit guy uh, saying that remain should be an option on that referendum um, so the Labour Party don't have a clear Brexit position and uh, as I said earlier they're not concerned about Brexit they are concerned concerned about toppling uh, the Conservative government and getting Jeremy Corbyn into number 10 and they will literally do anything they can to get him into um, power and it's it's a very short term uh, gain that the Labour Party are trying to pursue um, but they seem hell-bent on, on doing that. And um, yeah uh, something I was going to say then there's a lot of noise in the background. I apologise for that. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting that the Labour Labour want this other referendum because the People's Vote campaign, when it started in April, I think it was April 2018, after the election. So this wasn't a campaign which was in any election uh, rally. Um, they they never actually kind of the people the official people's vote campaign people's vote uk never actually endorsed a vote to remain or a piece of uh, on the ballot paper to remain all they all they were endorsing is a vote on the final deal and yes. it seems to have over over the last two weeks, especially with a Labour conference, seems to have been completely hijacked by um, people saying, oh no, there has to be an option to remain. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, no, I think you're completely right, and actually that there hasn't been enough attention on this by the national press, that as you said, the people's vote first of all to, um, started off as the people of the UK should get to have a say on whether they like the deal or not, and, and you're quite right, they have shifted position to where we are today, where they're saying that it should be, well, they, they don't even know themselves. Should it be, should there be a remain option on there and a, accept the deal or don't accept the deal? So it could be a, a three-way referendum. So you're, you're right to point that out. And I don't think it's been pointed out enough that they have shifted position from even this time last year, where as you, it said um, they wanted a uh, a referendum on deal or no deal, um, uh, and then for the government to go back to Brussels and renegotiate to where we are uh, today, where they want remain to be an option on the paper, and that's one of the other points I was making in my article was that the people calling for the people's vote for the second referendum. Um, have never accepted that we are going to leave the European Union. So they will literally do anything and everything that they can to prevent us from leaving uh, the EU. And I think at the start you mentioned about what would happen uh, if there was a second referendum. And of course it's all hypothetical, but that's just say there was a referendum again, so, like next year, and Remain was on the 
was an option. Uh, an option was to accept the deal that the Prime Minister brings back, or there's the option to not accept the deal. Um, that say that Remain narrowly won that referendum, but on a lower turnout than 2016, um, quite rightly, people who voted to leave in 2016 would say that the referendum in 2019 uh, was less legitimate because A, turnout was lower, and B, um, there were three options on the on the ballot paper so of course the vote was going to be split wasn't it so you if that happens we go into this uh, you think politics is crazy at the moment imagine living in britain where we've had another referendum and remain narrowly won um on a lower turnout um i think we i think we would be in a constitutional uh crisis because nobody would know what to do um, and I, it would take decades to repair the damage um, it would do to our country. And there's, there's two things I'd like to point out about that, which you've touched upon, is actually any second referendum or any third referendum, as people say, because obviously the 1975 vote, yeah. um, it would be advisory anyway. So the government, even if there was a major- majority to remain, the government... Yes could actually turn around and go well yeah but it wasn't binding so we're not really going to listen to you we're going to enact what uh 17.4 million people said uh in 2016 and i i want to ask you a question you are like me in the sense of you were passionate remain campaigner and you voted remain in 2016 and you would vote leave now and that's the same as me do you if there was um, so let's say a people's vote didn't happen and we leave EU yes. and in five years time a campaign starts um, to get back into the EU do you think and obviously we don't know the deal we don't know anything this yeah, is completely yeah, course, hypothetical yeah. but do you think you would change your mind back to go back in or do you think... Uh, I would say... It's a hard question, isn't it? Um, it's, a really, it's a really difficult uh, question. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's so hypothetical. Um, I would say no, because... Um, I think the vote two years ago was a once in a... Not a lifetime, but it, it, it was designed to... Well, it's a once know, in a generation we, we decision. We that referendum two years ago, because... Uh, there was too much division in politics over uh, the EU and I think people needed to rightly have their say Um, I would say look we've decided to leave so we need to get on with it I don't I couldn't imagine a scenario where any political party would get any traction if we uh, to get us back into the EU Um, because I really don't think you know the catastrophic picture that the Lib Dems and some of the passionate remainers are, pick, are you know painting is just I don't think um, going to happen um, because you know in my job um, working for an MP I visited hundreds of businesses um, manufacturing digital insurance you name it I've probably been there and 
what changed, what helped to change my mind towards being optimistic about Brexit was the, and I was quite taken aback by the, the businessmen and the business owners and the managers and directors who I would say 80% were very optimistic about what's going to happen post-Brexit. Um, all they said was they just want certainty, they just want to know what uh, is going to happen um, to the, with the UK's relationship with the EU post-Brexit. And they said, once we know what's going to happen, we can prepare and we can adapt and we can just get on with it. And that's what business in this country is so good at doing it is adapting uh, to different scenarios and different economic climates and just getting on with doing what they do well. And so that really struck me when I was visiting the businesses and the vast majority of them are they're very optimistic. You know, they're going to continue trading with, uh, with Europe. They're going to trade with the rest of the world. Um, and of course, there were a few businesses which are genuinely concerned about what's going to happen and people who really don't want us to leave um, but they were a small minority really um, so that's what helped to shift my view is that the catastrophic picture that's being painted of post-Brexit Britain I just can't see it um, happening and that's not just based on a gut feeling that's based on people who create the jobs in our country and who employ thousands of people and who have been in business for decades and they, they know what they're talking about better than politicians down in London. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I would say I wouldn't support any attempt to get us back in. I think we're, we're leaving. That's just get on and do it. Um, I think we should be optimistic as well. Um, so I just couldn't see any... Uh, pro-EU movement uh, say five years time actually getting anywhere um, <laughs> well yeah indeed and you mentioned the Lib Dems uh, question do you think there is an erotic spasm uh, of leaving the EU well at least you actually uh, pronounced it better than Vince Cable uh, <laughs> And we, I, we um, I actually have a clip of Vince I'm, Cable. Why do you think of your answer? Years of economic it. pain justified by the exotic spresum of leaving... The exotic spresum <laughs> I mean, he, of he, leaving the he EU. About that. He couldn't even say it. Um, uh, do you think I there is an exotic spasm? Yeah, I don't buy spasm. the argument that, you know, voting for Brexit was people harping back to a past Britain. Um, I get the sense working in Redditch where 62% of voters uh, voted to leave. Um, uh, I get the sense that they want control over immigration. They don't like the fact that uh, these uh, bureaucrats in Brussels actually make laws which impact on their lives in Redditch even though they're thousands of miles away. Um, they weren't harping back to a Britain post-EU. They were looking to the future where, you know, the MP that they vote for it can go down to Westminster and help set immigration policy, among other policies such as fisheries and the agricultural policy. Um, I, I just don't think it's fair to label 
people who voted to leave two years ago as people harping back to a um, a past where they think Britain was better or bigger. Um, I genuinely think that they had really credible reasons, really, for voting to leave. So I think that the Dems are really missing the mark, um, and you know their whole campaign is uh, incredibly patronising to people from my background um, and as we've seen in the polls they they struggle to get above 10 percent now as the the part the party portraying itself as pro-eu surely they if they think they're really tapping into something they should be polling a lot higher than 10 percent but they're really struggling to get past double digits um, so I, I, I think they're missing the mark uh, really, and if they were hitting the nail on the head, then you know, the Lib Dems would be up there behind Labour and pushing the Conservatives, but they're absolutely nowhere to be seen. No, and the latest polls are uh, from BMG Research. Mm. Uh, this is on the Britain Elects Twitter right. feed. Uh, from the 30th of September, uh, 40% would vote Labour, 35% Conservative, 12% would vote Lib Dem. So yeah. a plus of two for Labour, a minus of three for Conservatives, and a plus of two for Lib Dems, yeah. and UKIP yeah, I mean, stay I at 5%. Say, you know, the, the polls are so varied. I mean, you could also go on Britain LX and find a poll that puts the Tories two or three or four points ahead well, um, I, I think half, you know Liverpool you know last week Labour had their conference Liverpool part, opposition parties usually get a bounce from that um, so you know that polls to be expected um, and then obviously we will hopefully see a bounce from the Conservative Party conference this week and you know obviously my job I've been watching what's been going on and I think actually the party's a lot more united than the media would like to portray because of course it's it's great news for them if um if there's division and theresa may and boris johnson are you know punching at it behind the scenes that makes good news for them but you know back in reality uh, i get the sense that um you know jeremy corbyn is a real threat and so you know our party needs to to come together to show the country just what a big threat he would be and his party would be to the progress that we've made uh, in the past eight years. Um, yeah, so I think once Brexit is out of the way, thank God, next March, um, <laughs> and we can start actually talking about other really important stuff, which is just getting missed at the moment. Um, I, I mean, I could reel off to you um, dozens of policies which have been announced. Uh, Tory party conference this week but have just not made the headlines because it's not Brexit um, and then so Labour are able to fill this vacuum of non-Brexit policy so people at the, you know if you speak to people on the street or they if you say Conservatives they'll just go Brexit um, and they just have no clue of what we've actually been doing in government uh, and what we want to do once we've uh, actually left so you know the poll, you have to take the polls with a pinch of salt, don't you? I mean, if you go on Britain's Elect, a poll that puts Labour in front will get retweeted like 10,000 times by Jeremy Corbyn supporters. Um, and then a poll which puts them behind, 
know, gets retweeted a, a couple of hundred times because they don't like it when their polls aren't in their favour. So you have to take polls with a pinch of salt because, yeah, you know, as I said, I could reel off to you a few other polls that put the Tories back in front. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, the day before, on the 29th, um, there were two... This is on Britain's elect, Britain Elects Twitter as well. There was two research, one by Opinion Research and the other by Converse. Uh, opinion says 39% would vote Conservative, 36 would vote Labour. Uh, and the Converse, 40% would vote Labour, 39% would percent, uh, sorry, vote Conservative. So, yeah, you're right. It, there are so many difference, uh, so much difference between different polling companies and also can we trust polls <laughs> uh, i would say no <laughs> because uh you know last year well if we look back to 2015 i think that's quite a good recent example if you had believed the polls and believed what you saw on facebook and twitter then ed Miliband was going to become a was going to become prime minister and then, of course, what we saw was David Cameron return to Downing Street with a majority. Um, and the polls, I don't think there was one poll, there might be one, to give them a bit of credit. Um, but I don't think there was a poll which predicted uh, the Conservatives winning a majority after five years of uh, coalition government and really tough decisions that we had to make in those five years. Um, you know, the pollsters did not predict it at all because I think there's a, you know, they call them shy Tories where, you know, if you vote Labour, for some reason, it's a lot cooler to be a Labour member and supporter. And people are very publicly open about the fact that they support Labour. You don't really get that with Conservatives. Um, So there were obviously millions of people in 2015 who went to the polls and voted Conservative but just didn't tell their friends or their family and they didn't speak to pollsters so um you know so yeah you know pollsters they don't really get it right um and they obviously didn't get it right last year either because you know they said Theresa was going to get a thumping majority and unfortunately that didn't happen um so the only result you can trust it's a bit of a cliche is the, the final result when all the votes are counted yeah i do you think um do you think that with the uncertainty across the whole world really with mm. Trump and the rise of the far right and Theresa May and all of this stuff do you think we're just living a prescripted book which will eventually come to a head and that we're just living a kind of a false reality or do you think that this is a mark of uncertainty for kind of generations to come that will actually not something's happened and I don't I don't think anyone can really put a finger on what has happened but do you think it's going it's short-lived or do you think this is this is it like from now on we cannot trust what the public thinks I mean I've I've thought about it uh obviously being a bit of a politics nerd um you know the world has seen a lot even in the last century uh, two world wars um, uh, you name it I don't, I think it, you know living in the period we are at the moment obviously we're going to think that we're living in the most volatile 
time that we have ever lived in but you know you could argue that you know britain and uh, other countries have been through a lot worse in the past 100 years um i think what the trump election uh showed us in brexit um was that for too long um there was a rump of people that uh, have not felt listened to for, for decades um by either left or right um and so donald trump comes along and he says things that they like and they vote for him because for the first time in decades um they feel like somebody is genuinely listening to them um and i don't think as much as i don't like trump i don't think it's a bad thing that um this rump of people have woken up and are voting and engaging in politics um and i think it's had to make all establishment parties in countries around the world you know even in sweden they're seeing a, a, a rise of the the far right over there um there is a large rump of people across the world which just haven't felt listened to for for decades by parties on the left and parties on the right and so you're seeing these figures and uh parties spring up in italy and greece and as i said in sweden um and for the first time in you know decades people feel like they're being listened to and i think you know we're living in the social media age where everything is incredibly amplified um some think someone says can be retweeted billions of times in a couple of minutes everything on social media uh seems a lot worse than it actually is in reality and of course news outlets now now broadcast 24 hours a day uh seven days a week 365 days a year so you know it's much easier to follow every twist and turn of every event um so i think we are living in different times but i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that people feel like they're they're being listened to yeah and but it's odd though because the, the the one confusing thing i have about that is yeah no people don't feel listened to yeah but and maybe it's a state of our political electoral systems mm. but you don't see kind of people like jill stein in the us who stood on uh, a green a yes. green manifesto uh, green party or any of the independents in the us or indeed like in 2017 i ran as an independent um, yeah, yeah. in the general election in hackney and that as much as i i i I agree, 100% agree with you, and I don't think people are listened to. But the one thing I'm confused about is if people don't feel listened to, why are they continuing to vote in the parties which are the norm, really? And I know I know, Jeremy Corbyn is like, has transformed the Labour Party for good or bad, what, whatever side of the fence you sit on. Donald Trump has kind of hijack the republican party with his populism yeah. but none like for, for someone who doesn't feel listened to they're not voting in the way that 
I guess I would expect them to. Yeah, no, it's a good point you raise that with the rise of populists, you'd perhaps expect there to be a, a third force in British politics that um, these people flock to. Um, and actually what we're seeing in our country at the moment is the the two-state, the, the two-party system fully back in place like it was in the 90s. Um, you know, you've got the Labour Party and the Conservatives polling around 40% each um, and hoovering up most of the electorate uh, and then you've got UKIP, you are, you know, not on the rise, but, you know, they've picked up a bit of support recently. Um, but I think we are, I think you, you do touch on a good point that, you know, we, we're shifting back to a two-party system again, um, where people are back in the Conservatives because they can't stand Jeremy, and then you've got people flocking to Labour because they don't like what we've done for the past eight years. And I think you're right, you would expect there to be this third party um, which people flock to, but they're not doing it. And I think it's because, as you said, the Labour Party of today is not the Labour Party it was when it was in government for, what, 13 years. And, and three majority yeah, elections. The Conservatives have shifted um, as well. So it's a really hard... Yeah, it's a really hard question to answer um, because you would expect people to stop voting for the two parties that have been around for, you know, uh, an, an age, um, but they're not. Um, and I don't know why why that is. I think it perhaps because they're, you know, our two parties are so entrenched in our political system, it would really take a lot for people to start looking elsewhere and and i mean i yeah there's there's definitely that but also i think it's got a lot to do with our electoral system uh, first past the post in the united kingdom and then obviously the electoral college system in the u.s um if you listeners if you want to find out more about electoral college or the first pass of post system i highly recommend cgp gray's youtube videos which talk about the animal that he puts into context uh first pass of post to me electoral college and other uh, electoral systems um via like the animal kingdom and is if people uh animals from the animal kingdom was to elect and cgp gray really highlights the pros and cons of each political system. Uh, yeah, so sure. I I don't know if you've watched those, Josh, but um, uh, I haven't. No. I I really recommend them, and I mean, I watch them all the time because I I just love how they put it into such simple language that anyone, uh, any political phobe can understand. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend those. But I think maybe it's got something to do with. The fact that with first pass a post, you have you have a dominant two parties, and um, I mean we've we've seen the shift. You mentioned the 2015 election uh, a while ago, and you know we saw a huge huge rise of the SNP. They took all but one seats in uh, Scotland and uh they crashed in 2017 uh lib dems 
crashed in 2015 massively. They took a huge hit. Uh, they crawled a couple of MPs back in uh, 2017 general election, but not yeah. to any kind of great amount. And SNP is still the um, third biggest party, which is why uh, it's not Angus Robertson anymore, is it? It's Ian Blackford. Um, yes, yeah gets to answer ask two questions at pmqs um yeah it's it's fascinating times it's i mean yeah it, it's interesting and i i'm i'm a of the same opinion as you of there shouldn't uh, harking back to what we were originally talking about there shouldn't be a second referendum uh, at least there shouldn't be a second referendum in my opinion there shouldn't be a second referendum before we've enacted the the result of the first one I'm not against people uh, and I think I said this on the last podcast I, about the people's vote I'm not against people campaigning to go back into the EU I'm not against that I, you know we live in a country where we respect freedom of speech and right to assemble and campaigning and stuff I'm not against it what I'm against is the timing of it and enacting one result and then trying to get a different result is in my opinion fine I might not agree with the motive behind it but I agree with the principle Um, but trying to get a reversal of a result which hasn't even been enacted yet I think is a huge affront, affront to democracy that's nothing to do with sovereignty that's nothing to do with kind of respecting democracy and just uh, respecting people because it doesn't mm. respect any result if you can just immediately go oh yeah but you know before we enact this we're going to try and reverse it hang on a minute that's that's going against democracy and I think the biggest ironically named party in the UK at the moment is literally the Lib- Liberal Democrats <laughs> Who, uh, well, yeah, and uh, have it in their name. Second referendum all the time, uh, knocking on doors. So it's uh, definitely interesting times. What? What's a uh, before you go? What's the general verdict in Redditch about a people's vote? Uh, I just think there's no appetite for it at all. Um, I think I said at the start that we we did a survey of uh, a few thousands, uh, a good few thousand houses um, in different parts of their constituency, and the overwhelming message was just go on with it. Um, there's no appetite for a second referendum. They just want the government to get on and get a deal or whatever and just get us out uh, and then just move on and that stop talking about uh, Brexit that's the the definite feeling I get um, working on Redditch amazing well not amazing but uh, yeah <laughs> uh, amazing um, cool any parting words before we go what 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 is your um being a journalist or an ex-journalist and uh, a caseworker for an MP, what is your political kind of parting words on this podcast about anything, really? Anything we've talked about? 
What's your anything, final? Oh gosh, uh, I Any, could talk about anything. Anything um, we've talked about? I would say that we just need to uh, get on with Brexit and start talking about again other major issues that um, perhaps have fallen off the radar. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'd just be optimistic about what's ahead. Amazing. Joshua Godfrey, thank you so much for coming on Sug Sound. Cheers, Hugo. Thank you. Take care. From someone who had to keep his political ideals at the door of his office, do his job and not be partisan, to someone who can now have all the freedom to be as partisan and champion what he wants. Josh Godfrey was a fantastic guest on this podcast, a fantastic journalist and has so much wisdom to boot. Listeners, I apologise for the quality of that interview. I know it dropped out a couple of times. Unfortunately, that's what happens when you do interviews over the internet. And I'm in Turkey. He's in the UK. Thank you so much for listening. Please do share, rate, subscribe, go on iTunes and give us a five star rating because it really helps other people find this podcast. I will see you again next week on Sug Sound. Please do join in the conversation on social media. Our hashtag is Sug Sound. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Hugo Sug and be sure to rate and subscribe so other people can find this podcast. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Sug Sound. Thank you for listening to this episode in the mini-series on homelessness on Sug Sound. From someone who had to keep his political alliance at the door of his office in his old job, to someone who now works for an MP which fully supports his ideals and he can champion what he wants. Alongside that, a lot of opinion and wisdom to boot. Joshua Godfrey, thank you so much for coming on Sug Sound. To listeners, I apologise for the sound quality of that interview. I know it dropped out a couple of times. Unfortunately, that's what happens when you interview over the internet from the UK to Turkey and from Turkey to the UK. But thank you very much for joining us on Sug Sound. Please do interact with us on social media and join us again next week for the next episode in Sug Sound. It's been great.